organization you need to have a powerful voice all right when i say power well before i even get it before i go any further if this is your first time listening to the move swiftly podcast welcome to the show glad to have you my regular listeners today's topic is about building when you're building an organization who is that voice what is that voice that when you hear that voice you know things will get done you need to have a very, very powerful voice. You need to have, and when I say powerful, I don't necessarily mean loud, but you need to have people in your organization that are strictly disciplinarians, that are strictly people that make sure things get done. The, the reason I say that is because if the, for every organization, the most challenging thing for every organization, in fact, I actually heard Kevin Plank, the founder of Under Armour, I heard him say this in one of the thousands of videos that I've watched of Kevin Plank and how he built Underarm and things like that, you know, because he's from Maryland and all that stuff. So I remember hearing him saying this in one of the videos that I was watching. I remember him saying, you know, the hardest thing that every organization deals with is getting the people right. All right. That is one of the that is very, very true. And when you talk, when you really digest, especially if you're a regular listener, you, you know, or you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you know. I talk about teamwork all the time. That is my space. That is what I'm an expert at. That is what I know all about. I know about strategic partnerships, also known as teamwork. That's what I'm all about, all right? And that could, he couldn't be more spot on with when he said that. The hardest thing you can do with any organization, be it school, be it a business, be it a church, be it a team, whatever it is, you having the right people, getting the people right, is the most challenging thing that you can possibly, possibly have to deal with. In fact, just this, as of this recording, and I, I get that this episode will be out a couple months after, but listen, there was a great teacher that I, at the learning center that I currently, on the, that I'm currently working for, there was a great teacher who left. In fact, like from the past two months, they've been great teachers just up and leaving, up and leaving. I mean, I'm talking about like in the middle of their break, just gone, not coming back. All right, good people, good people that were brought a lot of value to the actual center. And I've seen, I met them, I know them for like, I've seen what they can do. They just up and leave, up and leave, never hear from me, just gone. Here one day, gone the next type shit. All right. And that, that piece, that, that, that situation makes it very, very difficult. That reality, that truth makes it very difficult to find people. All right. So you have to have the authority you have to have authority figures that come in and make it so good people know that there's a solid foundation here's what i mean when i say that let me just give you an example all right when i was a 
junior. I was a junior in high school. I was a junior in high school. I had a teacher by the name of Miss Pullen. And Miss Pullen and I had a lot of fights. I mean, we would, uh, and I had her the year before. And there was a thing where she called my parents and where my father, I think my mother had called her and she had called my mother back. I mean, just long story short, me and Miss Pullen were like clashing all the time from sophomore year all the way until junior year, which, which is why I thought it was bullshit that they put me in her class my junior year. And in fact, let me actually, let me just say this, my golf attention. This is how bad it was. There was a situation in which I had a shadow. And for those of you who don't know what a shadow is, there was a, at good council, I went to the council high school. They would do these things because it was a big football school. They would do these things where people would come in, you know, athletes would come in and they would fall, they would shadow us as students around throughout the day, show them. And basically we were basically had to show them where the, what good council was like. Right. So I had a shadow. His name was Anthony Wilson. We used to call him a will. He actually ended up coming to the school, but anyway, I had a shadow my sophomore year. Anthony was my shadow my sophomore year. And we had that class of Miss Pullen, and I got kicked out of class. I got kicked out of <laughs> I got kicked out of Miss Pullen's class, having a shadow with me. And uh, the disciplinarian at the time was a guy named Mr. Arnold. I mean, he ripped me a new one. Like he just, I, we got in that office. I got in that office, and he just straight ripped me. I mean, screamed to the point where you have a shadow. The point, the point where the day where you need to be on point, you get kicked out of school. You get kicked out of class. I mean, he just went off. He went off on me. All right. So this is what happened the next year. They put me, he actually, like I said, he ended up coming to the school. A Will ended up coming to the school. And me, myself, and A Will had Miss Pullen our junior year for literature. Like, I mean, anyway, let me not get, but that, that's how bad it was with me and Miss Pullen. All right. So the 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 positive, I, I want to say the positive about the fact that I had Miss Pullen was that she was pregnant and she wasn't going to be able to work the entire school year. So they brought in once she had the baby. They brought in a substitute teacher. His name was Mr. Tate. Mr. Tate. And I'll never forget Mr. Tate. He's a black, you know, he's a brother. You get very few black male teachers that taught at good counsel. For every, so every time you saw one, there was always that, you know, that Negro intimacy. There was always that, you know, brother. He actually ended up getting a full-time position at good counsel. And, and it, it uh, seemed, at least from the outside looking at it, it seemed to, to work out for him and things like that, right? I'll never forget his first day as a sub, his first day as a sub. And here's what I mean when I say that disciplinarian, those authority figures, if you want to run a solid organization, Good Counsel is a very well-known school, very well-known program. And the reason that they have a lot of people come, there's a lot of people that speak glowingly about Good Counsel. And the reason is because they have people like the, the, the lady I'm getting ready to describe to you, all right? Her name was Miss Donahue. And to this day, to this day, I, prom I promise you, I cannot tell you what her title was. I don't know it. I don't, and you're talking to, but you're listening to someone who has had conversations with her. I mean, in fact, my freshman year, when I was getting ready to film, actually, I ended up, I did end up failing my physics class. My, my physics teacher was so worried about me fail, failing the class that he had Miss Donahue come in and speak to me. And she bought me a bunch of notebooks and like, she would work one-on-one. -on -one. Again, I don't know her title. I just know she worked in the administrative offices. She wasn't an actual teacher, but she was someone that teachers called when students needed extra help, stuff like that. Again, don't know her title, right? So Mr. Tate's first day, my junior year, right? She comes into the classroom. 
and she introduces Mr. Tate. She says, hello, class. Again, this is, and I'm, I'm sure most of the students at the time didn't really know what Ms. Donahue did either. We just knew her name and, you know, that's just, she, she, for some reason she comes in. I guess she was like some sort of an authority figure. I don't know. But anyway, she introduces Mr. Tate. She introduces Mr. Tate. I, in fact, she doesn't say his name. That's important. That's an important fact to remember, all right? She doesn't say his name. She goes, hey, this is your sub. As you guys know, Ms. Pullen had her baby, so here's going to be your sub for the rest of the year. So Mr. Tate came in, and he was the one who actually said his name. He goes, hey, my name is Mr. Tate. Is that in the third? And then there was this student. It was a student. He was, his, his name is uh, TJ, TJ. His name is TJ, right. And he was sort of a class clown, you know, always. He was a very popular kid, would, would talk a lot in class, things like that. He was Mr. Funny Guy, at least at the time he was, right, with the classes that I had taken with him. TJ decided to cut Mr. Tate's off and say, hey, is it okay if we call you Mr. T? In a real smart-ass voice. So, again, now, now keep this in perspective. Mr. Tate is brand new to the situation, and as students, especially that age, you want to take advantage of the substitute teacher. We're kind of taught to take advantage of the substitute teacher, which is where that comment came from. He goes, hey, if it's okay, if we call you Mr. T. And immediately, like I'm talking about immediately the moment that it came off his lips, Miss Donahue goes, ah, uh, hey, hey, no, no, ah, uh, no. That is not, that is not the way we're going to talk to our subs. You understand me? Ooh. Um, I mean, I was, uh, listen, the way I just said it is exactly the way Miss Donahue sounded. And she's a lady. All right, so she got real serious. She got, she got real bruck up. She got real, she got real, real hip with him, right? Real, real hip with him. I, I mean, like, just really said, yo, no, we are not talking to our subs like that. And immediately, like, the room just felt it. You felt their energy in the room. And at that point, her title didn't matter, whatever, you know, all this, you know, whatever assumptions were made of her. At that point, all the students knew who was in charge and they knew that she was important to the culture. When it comes to building that culture that Good Council has built over the years, it's because of the people like that, they, that they put in positions. So when a new sub comes in and a sub who actually ended up staying at the school will say, okay, I'm in the right spot. I, this is a spot where I can be respected this, this, because they got people like this defending me. Just imagine if Mr. Tate is on his first day in the job and, you know, he has all this ambition. He wants to do this. He's a sub and he hears that. It'll be difficult for him to, to, to go at a kid that he doesn't know or to go on him like that because it's just human nature. You know, he's, he's brand new. And when you have people who will defend you like that, I mean, it makes the world, speaking from a teacher's perspective now, it makes the world a difference. Having someone that's going to give you that foundation. And let me tell you, it, it, it is so crucial, so crucial, because the way it ended, the way it ended, and this is after Miss Dottie, you left, and I'll, I'll kind of close out the story with this because it's, it's great how it happened. When Miss Donahue left, Mr. Tate reintroduced himself, and then he goes, I, and to answer your question, I do want to be called Mr. Tate, not Mr. T. I ain't going to tear up in you like Miss Donnie you did, but I do prefer Mr. Tate. And you see how it made sure, even though Miss Donnie, you had to be the quote unquote asshole, at the end of the day, it made the transition a whole lot smoother just by making sure she goes, hey, we're not doing this. In fact, and this, listen, this isn't just something that 
is teacher related. In fact, there was a, when I was at Stony Brook, and this was something that remained consistent as I had kind of transitioned from my teenage years to adulthood, right? Because when I got to Stony Brook, it was my last football season at Stony Brook. There was a huge, huge football game. I mean, this was the first, this was easily probably at the time, the biggest game in Stony Brook football history, the biggest game. When I say the biggest game, it's because at the time we were a very small FCS program, very small division one AA program. It was called one AA, but now it's called FCS. And we were trying to become an established FCS program, a legitimate FCS program that can compete with some big time division one schools. So our first game, our first game, it was my senior year, my last season at Sunnybrook was our first game. We played a team named the University of Southern, the University of South Florida Bulls right there in Tampa, USF. Skip Holtz and, you know, I believe BJ Daniels came from that school. A very established program. They were in the Big East, played UConn, things like that. I mean, it's, it's South Florida. You know, they got, they got some dogs, right? U, USF. It's Florida in general. Same place as Armwood. You know, tons of just incredible, incredible athletes that come out of that area. And the, the, at the beginning of camp, it was, it was kind of, I was very curious as to, because at this point I knew I wanted to coach. At this point, I knew me playing and stuff like that. That was kind of off the table and I was really focused on getting into coaching. I really was at the beginning of my last year of, of football, of playing football. And I was really curious to listen to how Coach P was going to motivate us against a game or team that we were clearly, you know, clearly undermined. We were outmatched. Like they're obviously big time division one program. We're a small FCS school. I wanted to see what Coach P's approach was when it came to getting us motivated for this particular game. And he, he, the way he did it is he wrote something on the board. He wrote bull time, B-U-L-L-T-I-M-E, bull time, bull time. The mascot for the University of South Florida is South Florida is the Bulls, the University of South Southern Florida Bulls, USF Bulls. All right. And all through camp, you know, the, the whole 10 days or 12, I mean, it's 10 days, but it feels like about 100 days. But the whole 10 to 15 days, however long it was, all he kept saying is bull time, bull time, bull time. Like whenever you hear me yelling bull time, it's because we got to get ourselves, get our mind right. And, and what, he, what he said after, in fact, I'll, I'll go deeper into this. What he said after he put the whole bull time out there was he said, look, when it comes to University of South Florida, I want you guys to focus on being the better team that day. Be the better team that day. We can go on the Internet and we can look at the rankings and we can see that they're better on paper. But I want you guys to be focused on being the better team that day. Just like you as a listener need to be focused on being the greatest person you can be or doing the best you can do today today all right it, it translates it, it listen football and life it parallels in so many different ways so many different ways all right and i remember him saying it and it really stuck because i wanted to hear it and i was trying to pick up on tactics and strategies about the type of coach that i'll become and all that stuff so i was i was taking so many mental notes back then it was ridiculous like i mean just tons of mental notes and i can remember certain speeches verbatim i don't have time to get into all of them but this one I really do remember, right? Because we, once we got out to the practice field, we were running gassers and gassers was the way of conditioning us. And, you know, it was, we got tired, it's in the hot sun and stuff like that. And 
I remember there was a point. There was a point in which we as a team were on our maybe our six or seven gasser. We're tired. We're like, okay, you know, we got to let, let's go. You know, we, we, we were wanting it to be over. And then immediately as there was, it was like a silent football field. It's silent. Immediately you hear Coach P's voice yell, let's go, it's ball time, ball time, ball time. You know, and he got us up, you know, and there was that authoritative voice. I tell people all the time, listen, when it came to Stony Brook University, you like Coach P, you hate Coach P, there's a ton of shit about him. I don't even fucking like. But there was no point, at no point, did you walk onto that practice field and not know who the head coach was. And whether you like him or you don't like him, you got to simply just, acknowledge that and respect and learn that when it comes when it comes time for you to be the leader of your organization that's the way it needs to be or if you want to build an organization a solid organization you need to have those authority figures that get people going and you hear that voice and it's going to make it so your program builds and builds and builds all right i can't stress how important that is you need it i mean from that point in fact it was a couple of years later where I was watching, I was watching Stony Brook versus USF, the same team. And we were up, Stony Brook was up going into halftime. You know, the game that I played in, we lost that game 55 to 10. And a couple of years later, we're playing, I'm watching Stony Brook versus USF and Stony Brook's beating them going into half and them losing the game, but they were at least winning going into halftime. So that just goes to show you how the program grew and how it got so much better once myself left and once I left. And you know why? Because they had those leaders. And I'll actually let me let me just close you out with this story because it, even if it's even when you're look when you aren't where you want to be at, when you don't want when you're not uh, working for a high school like Good Counselor, you're not working for a place like Stony Brook University, right? When you don't have that accredited those accredited institutions behind you, it's still about it's still very much about. Who has the most influence? All right, and I'll close you out with this story. It was um, must have been about five or six years at this point, and I was I was working for a company named FBU Football University, and this this is when I was living in Maryland, right? And the team director at the time was a guy named Mike Anderson, who was very well known in the youth football space, is known around the world. In fact. Once I got to Florida, I remember I visited IMG and I was telling people, you know, I worked for FBU and immediately the name that came up was, oh, Mike Anderson, Mike Anderson, Mike Anderson. You know, a lot of people knew Mike Anderson because he does a lot of stuff with the kids, has done a great deal of work. Go do your research. In fact, he was on this show. The name of the title of the episode he was on is titled Grassroots, all caps, Grassroots, because the name of his youth football league is called the Grassroots Youth Football League. All right. And I remember I did a breakfast with him one twice. I did breakfast with him twice, but the second time was when it was a little more intimate because there wasn't there was no Freddie Brown. And Freddie Brown was like the the corporate, the head, like the the overseer of FBU. And you know this was when he was he wasn't at this breakfast, but it was just him and some of his grassroots fam. All right. No, no. In fact, matter of fact, the more I'm thinking about, it, no, no, no. This was actually no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was the first time. It was the first time I did breakfast with him. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. The first time I ever did breakfast with him was with Freddie Brown. This is when he said this. This is when he said this. This is what this. this see, this is how things happen. This is why it's so important. It's I'm I'm dealing with the. Uh, listen, you you are witnessing. You are listening to a very live proof example of the power 
of voice, the power of when somebody says something that sticks, it really sticks. You never forget it. Yeah. So it was the first time we did breakfast and it was myself, Freddie Brown, who was who was the, the overseer of FBU. It was, got, you know, the the late Keon who ran a shutdown academy. With, it was like an extension of what Deion Sanders had. It was, I believe it was <clears throat> Juan, Juan Banks. And then there was another guy who had actually been on the show that runs, uh, he, he does a lot of yoga stuff and he runs, he ran the company, he ran the football organization named Lamont Ricks and all that. But anyway, you know, Mike Anderson was the kind of the vocal point because he was the one that got everyone together, right? You know, so everyone's kind of, even, even Freddie Brown is, you know, listening to how Mike Anderson was able to build this youth football organization to build it into what it is, where they got so many great players, so many great opportunities that he's creating for the kids and all that. All right. So he ended the, I remember the way this conversation ended and for you guys who weren't there, obviously none of you, most of you guys listening probably weren't there, but he, he was the, he was constantly the one that everyone wanted to hear from, you know? So he ended the conversation by saying this, he goes, look, the way I built my youth organization is I go to a parent. I go to a parent who has the most influence over the kid that you whisper some shit in that kid's ear, whether it's the father, whether it's the mother, whether it's the older brother, whether it's the older sister, whether it's the cousin, whether it's the uncle, whether it's the aunt, whether it's the granddad, whether it's the grandmother, whether it's the, the, the best friend, the teacher, the co whatever, whoever you whisper some shit in that kid's ear when they hear that voice, they go listen. And I remember him saying that. And it stuck. The reason it stuck is because that's exactly that's exactly what I want you guys to do. All right. As you're building your business from ground up and you are you are listening, you are listening to the show, which means you do want to get better at something, which means you're trying to get better, which means you're trying to go to enough next level, trying to maximize your potential, trying to get across a bridge. If you do want to do that, you have to you have first of all, you have to develop that voice of authority on certain topics, but also most and more importantly, you got to find the people that have the authority of the ones that, of the folks, of the consumers that you want to serve, go to those people and make sure you are making sure you build a solid network around those people, not just anybody, you know, with Mike Anderson, he was all about the parents and what was best for the parents. So the parents keep paying their money, their registration fees, and they keep bringing them out to practice and things like that. So he had to go to those parents who had the most influence on the kid and make sure that they listen, all right? So the question, the ask, as I close, is how powerful is your voice? How are you gonna develop your powerful voice? And then who are you gonna make sure you're connected with to make sure your organization is built with a solid foundation and it can blow up at any moment, all right? Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. E-class. E I think we got a problem. Yeah, big money in this bitch. If you didn't know, big business minus the business suit. Even I look in the mirror like, is it you? Then I say, I must be the hottest if it isn't you. Stay fresh from my top to my tennis shoes. New coupe, no top, big tennis shoes. Never slipping, even on the side of a swimming pool. We don't get rid of cute. We get rid of fools They said I couldn't play football, I was too small They said I couldn't play basketball, I wasn't tall They said I couldn't play baseball at all And now every day of my life I ball And they say you ain't great
Now meet the boss of the cartel I'm a sinner, not Satan Sitting on Lorenzo's and I seem really patient Picture the equation People taking pictures and they really getting flagrant Flagging out my spaceship sergeant sniffing for a fragrance Yeah yo, yeah yo He wanna sniff the yeah, yo. saucer on the house hit the casa just to lay low Make more That's the model for the mob Need a blowjob My model get a model for the job Go hard, no job Hustler, no prop Post up, nigga what? Finger fuck your whole squad Forty round extender Flip it for my kinfolk Luxury tax on them packs If you didn't know Bought a new crib Niggas feeling like I hear 3.2, but I did it for the kids Low guns, did a barn shop Got my whole arm rock Keep the 760 double parked in the wrong spot Still hustle, boss Yeah, you gotta pay for this I remember when I used to pray for this This, this is classic Some shit you might not see again And we taxing you on the nigga Leave it then And we taxing you on the nigga Leave it then And we ain't trying to see the pen like a needle in the haystack, we ain't tryna I see don't the ask me, baby, I just tax This is a luxury Let's go. tax Yeah, imagine this, no imagine that Gave me my sack like good luck getting back yeah. I'm like, the fuck I'm going out of that? And if I'm not careful, be the same place they find it at And I'm a winner if I make it cross the finish line Putting food on the table like it's dinner time And this is what you call stereotyping by far Can you tell me why your dog keeps sniffing my car? Trying to see the pen. This is a luxury tax.